Hello, and welcome to Second Helpings, a Grace Fellowship podcast designed to serve up another round of insight and application from our Sunday morning corporate worship gatherings. Pull up, dig in, and get filled as we take another taste of God's greatness. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a fresh episode of Second Helpings. I am Pastor Zach, gathered uh, here together today with Pastor Dan. Looking forward to talking about the message that uh, came back uh, this past Sunday. Dan, this is a dangerous one because I think I just told you, this is like one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. And I I should ask you, because my my family asked me, well, you sure were talking a lot during that message this week. Did you hear the amens and the come ons coming over there from the I heard some, I didn't know they were from yours particularly. (laughs) I apparently had a couple of, come on, come on. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I was obviously engaged and appreciate it because it's such a, not that there's scripture that's better than others, but there's such a high value part Mm. here, right? Um, So one of the things I just want to start by asking you is why this message, why at this time, what were kind of, what what got your wheels churning on it? Yeah, I think there's two reasons. Number one, uh, we'd like to annually reinforce what we're trying to do at Grace Fellowship. So that's thematically where we're at. But about 10 years ago, I discovered this passage in the way I explained it uh, on Sunday uh, using the chiastic structure, which to me opened up a real sense of not merely what the words were saying, but the structure communicated as well. And so when we are thinking about that, and one of the words we take is the idea of glory, doxa, or doxology, we didn't even talk about that on Sunday. Uh, That's the idea of renown or fame, which was uh, about 18 years ago, thematically, when we were starting Grace Fellowship, that's where that came from. So about 10 years getting the chiastic structure, but about 17, 18 years ago, kind of tripping over that word glory, but seeing it through a contemporary, a more, I think, tactile in some ways of thinking about God's fame in the way we think about it. So that's where it kind of came from. We were looking for something to explain. And I said, well, let's just kind of go from the idea of our mission. It's kind of standing out there, kind of obvious. <laughs> and the passage uh, threw itself into my brain. Yeah. It's one of, the, one of the things I do love so much about this particular passage is you bring up that word doxa and doxology. We can, we can definitely talk about that. Um, I often use the phrase theology for doxology. I've mm. been accused of being a theology nerd before, which I'm fine to take that accusation. Sure. I love theology, sure. but it's not for theology. It's mm. never been in that end. It is that idea of seeing God's glory enjoyed or studied, however you want to be discussed. Right? When we think about doxology as the the um, in the in looking of God's glory, right? The, the enjoying of it. Well, this this passage here mm. is huge theology. Mm that Jesus is talking about resulting in that, the display of mm. your glory, having the glory I've had with you. So I loved when you hit that chiastic structure mm. and because it really is important, not just from the emphasis of where it's showing it, but really this the the whole completeness of Jesus's thought here as he's interacting with the mm. Father and obviously the Spirit is engaged here. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Um, so let me ask you as a follow-up, what, there were some things that you got across, there was a lot. Mm. I know you didn't get it all. Because we weren't there for three hours. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, yeah. What were some of the things in particular were like, oh, I gotta, gotta squeeze that out? Well, I think explaining um, all the different nooks and crannies of what the idea of eternal life, the implications. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have a chance to do that because the in- implications of that, frankly, are, are mind-boggling. <laughs> and I think there, it's a pivot point is that this is fundamentally the distinction between a follower of Christ and not a follower of Christ. Mm. 
How you define life is fundamentally a distinction between somebody who says, I'm a disciple of Christ and somebody who's not. And so somebody who's a disciple of Christ, wholly within the sphere of who Christ is and what Christ has done, you find liberation that um, touches every part of your life. And so therefore, the way you live life, the time you have, the focus that you have, the way that you relate to people fundamentally changes versus someone who's not a follower of Christ, or let's even say somebody who says they're a Christian, but doesn't manifest the fruit. Mm. You can always drill down to how they define and they experience life, Mm. how they see life if they pursue things or people illicitly or whatever. It always relates back to what they think life and living life is every single time. And that's why I think when Christ says the idea of life, eternal life is knowing him and knowing the father, that is the epicenter. And that's why in this first five verses of his prayer, that's the epicenter of what he came to do and why he should receive glory and what the work was he did and the authority that he received was all to bring life. And so when people look at Christians and think, oh, it's about rules and regulations, it's about obligations and and commitment keeping, you go, "Uh, no, those are secondary. The idea of that's life is to be lived maximally. And because of that, we have commitments and we've got responsibilities and obligations. But we're not driven by those. Those are an after effect of our allegiance because what Christ has done for us. That's the thrust of what Jesus is saying in this first five verses. Yeah. uh, Something I've I've talked about frequently with people, the idea of living your life in proper subordination, right? The the structure does not dictate your outcome. The outcome you're going for determines your structure. Like nobody says, well, let's go on a vacation. Well, what elements do you want in a vacation? I want to go on a car trip. I want to stop at gas stations. I want to go to restaurants. I want to be in a hotel. And we'll just figure out where we end up. You go, I'm going to Chicago. Therefore, I'm going to plan the trip accordingly. And this is what you see. The the end of life is knowing the Lord. Therefore, there's going to be certain commitments that are going to come that are going to be reasonable, right? That you're going to make and thankfully have the word to guide us in what those should be. And it's incredibly consistent. So Jesus says stuff like, if you want your life, you'll lose your life. Yeah. And you go, well, that doesn't make any sense <laughs> in this world. And you yeah. go... That's exactly the point. In other words, if we saw life as it was intended to be, if we could see with those eyes through that lens, we would see how jacked up the world we live in is. And these are the passages that start reorienting us to see this differently. So all of the life of Christ, he shows this. But on these passages particularly, he brings a stark contrast with how you might see life, with how you should see life. And I think that that's why it's so important and it makes so much sense that That's why church every week coming back and walking into scripture helps purify, strain kind of the the fragrance or the impact of the world wanting to manipulate us, to want to distract us, go, whoa, I was thinking life was gathering stuff or life was playing in this league or life was being married to this kind of person versus the person I'm being married to. And you go, hold on a second. That isn't life. Life is defined with you knowing God through Christ and that relationship that you have with him. And the implications of that are supposed to touch the way you see stuff and the way you see your wife and the way you see a life in general. And if it's not touching those things, it's because you're not seeing it. You've bought into the lie of the world or the distraction of the world or the deceitfulness of the enemy to think life is something that it was never intended to be. And this is just one other statement that Christ gives during his life to help bring us around to thinking and acting differently. Yeah. 
I think it's, it's ironic to think about, not ironic, I don't know if anybody else is thinking about this, nobody else plans the services, so maybe it was just me. <laughs> but I'm thinking about how you kind of came back to where Eric started us with, his mm. message, we're talking about the Psalms, about in, in being close to the Lord and enjoying the presence of the Lord. Mm. And then I went into the distractions that, call, that the world can cause and why it's important to be away. Larry doubled down on that with Noah, and it's kind of we've come back to this idea. Mm. If there's a common theme in our mm. services, people, it's because there's a common theme in this word, mm-hmm. and we stick to it. So it's it's really neat to see that. I want to hit on a word that you said that I think is very important, and this is probably where I was saying, come on. <laughs> um, and I don't think you use this word in the message, but you said it liberating. Mm. Like understanding mm. this. I think is the most liberating thing in my life. Yeah. Understanding what I'm made for, what I'm called to, it puts everything else in perspective. It doesn't mean other things are not important, yeah. but it does mean they're subordinate and it helps me to look at them in view of knowing God, right? So I don't, I don't know if there's anything better to think about setting your life on than this particular concept. Yeah, and it, it, again, goes back to the life of Christ. He's some, come to set captives yeah. free. Uh, if you would take a word that would kind of summarize the, the earthly ministry of Christ, it would be liberation. It could be deliverance. Yeah. It's the idea of to deliver, deliver people at the level of their sin, to deliver people from the level of what they think meaning in life is, to deliver people from, as you can see, representative in the physical illness. Mm-hmm. You can see from the hostility of nature with the storms. He's a deliverer of people in all of these different images to point out the fact that he's the deliverer of the greatest thing that we face, the greatest threat, and that's death. Yeah. And that's representative of the judgment of God. And so all of these things are just um, really pushing toward that. And I think you could almost distinguish between a, a Christian who is mature, certainly, but I would say just even healthy, uh, somebody who understands that the world is not meant to give me deliverance or set me mm. free or give me hope or mm. give me freedom. The world, uh, in all of its ways, is trying to impress upon me a type of captivity. Yeah. And we can get deceived to think, well, I, I'm not in captivity because I have a lot of money. I was talking to somebody after the service about this, and they're asking the question, but wouldn't uh, affluence that we have in America dictate that we've got the blessing of God? And I said, let's stop right there. I actually don't think so, because I think that God sent leanness into the souls of the people of Israel and they're disobedient. We think naturally the stamp of God's approval is affluence because we're Americans. Uh, But I would say, actually, that could be a form of judgment, because if anything that lends you to uh, not need God is certainly not a form of liberation, but we don't think in those terms, no, and not. we've got to be very, very careful. The enemy is incredibly deceitful. Something that will drive us away from the Lord is absolutely money, yeah. uh, that we can get seduced from that. So don't think God's blessing is equal to the amount of money that you get. God's blessing is equal to the amount of trust you have or dependence you know of or to express in your life. And so I just think that it's, it's the upside-down dynamic yeah. again. You have to be very careful because sometimes we form God to be an awful lot like us. And we give stuff to our kids at times and we we want them to be loved and go, wait a minute, uh, the way he loves is very different. Because that's true. Why didn't Jesus just hand out rolls of $50 bills? Yeah. Because uh, his presence with them and what he did for them liberated yeah. them. Nothing in this world. Well, it's even when you think about, you bring up the miracles, right? And we think, we look at those things in a worldly way. They, 
I want to say they, I don't want to belittle the miracles of Christ. <laughs> Making a man see is a big deal, right? Sure, Only sure, one person yeah. can do it. Yeah. But even that was a not a precursor, but a, just a shadow of yeah. his real deliverance. Yeah. Yet we go, oh, these were the amazing things. Walking on water. You don't understand. No, no, no. What he's coming to do is to set captives free from the biggest problem in the cosmos, the mm-hmm. sin bondage that we're underneath. Yeah. And you mentioned that kind of in the message yesterday was... We were so quick to undervalue the significance of that. We go after the thrill of jumping off a cliff. Sure. Or near as thrilling as Jesus Christ liberating you from eternal damnation, mm. saving you from the wrath of God. That is, I mean, that's extreme sports times, whatever, infinity. You know? And he had to wrestle that concept away from the disciples. So he sends them out, if you remember, and they're casting out demons. They come back and they are jazzed. Yeah. They're like, this is amazing. We have power over the force of darkness. And Jesus is like, time out. Be excited that your name is written in the book that's of life. Insane. And so I think this goes back to John the Baptist, uh, the idea of he's the greatest, but the one in the kingdom is even greater. Why? Because uh, the one in the kingdom is going to know me and my resurrection yeah. power at that point versus John the Baptist. Look forward. We look back. Yeah. And so that's, again, the Bible shapes the way we value things, shapes the way we see things. If we misvalue something, that means we, we don't see it accurately. Yeah. And the Bible corrects us so that we can see we define life accurately so that we can live our lives appropriately. That's right. That's right. I mean, you're, you're telling the story about the thing about the affluence. This is a big thing. I've been thinking a lot about, uh, and this isn't the format to get into it, but just even how we think about the, like the, all the justice stuff that people are talking about and equality mm. in America. Sure. And one of the things that's ironic to me when people talk about that is almost that we're fighting, again, I want to be sensitive to it, but fighting for the ability for what I see to be one of the biggest problems in the church is our health, wealth, and affluence. Mm. Not that those things in and themselves are bad, hmm. but they do often prove to be a distraction from the Lord. Sure. Why do I need a sovereign God when I got a sovereign bank account that can take care of any mess I have, right? Mm-hmm. And you think about people that don't even care about the Lord that are in incredible affluence, and you would think they're so liberated, they can do whatever we want. We just saw some of the richest men in the world decide they wanted to fly into space. Mm-hmm. They just decided they could do it, right? Because they can do what they want. They're in bondage. Yeah. They're in terrible yeah. bondage. Yeah. You know, that's a whole different way of thinking. Um, when I was a teenager, I was part of this ministry. We were supporting some brothers in Trinidad, brothers and sisters that were doing a church in Trinidad. Hmm. Took up a collection for it, sent it to them. And one of the guys that was kind of the leader had sent them a letter saying, We were so thankful we could do this, good relationship, and we'll continue to pray for you in your poverty. We get a letter back from Trinidad. I mean, Trinidad, particularly this time, yeah. poor of poor. Yeah. Like, if you've got a pair of shoes, like, you are living the high life, right? Yeah. And he says about this letter, thank you so much. We're so thankful for your faithfulness to give and all the stuff, and we're sure the Lord will use it. And please be insured that we will make sure to pray for you and your prosperity. Hmm. He wasn't trying to slap us in the face, but he was reminding us, you might be dealing with some harder stuff than we hmm. are down here. And I thought, man, this... That, that guy's eyes are kingdom set. Like, yeah, there's, about that's it. a tr- it's a tremendous perspective. And I think the rich people of this world, like James speaks about, be careful. Yeah. You need to, to mourn in your richness yeah. uh, if you put your hope. Because the reality is, is this is their heaven. Oh, this is sad. as good so as it sad. gets. Oh. And this is our hell. Yeah. Not in a liberal theology way, but this is how this is the hardest we're going to have it yeah. right now. Yep. And the functional difference between the two is is Christ. Yeah. 
We have Christ, so this is the worst. We have an eternity to rejoice and experience Him. This is the best they have, and if they die in that condition, they have an eternity in hell, which is horrific. And that's why we want to extend the message to people that we run into, uh, even getting messages out like this on on media, because we want people to know there's a hope. There's more than this, and please understand there's a wrath to come, and you can escape through Christ. That's so good. And that's, again, coming back to this text, thinking about Jesus' whole point for being here. I've done the work, and then you think about he's going to be on the cross, he's going to say, it is finished, like Mm -hmm. everything is done. Uh, Jesus has made it possible for you maybe not to get the things you always wanted, but to get the only thing you ever needed, Mm -hmm. which changes your wants. Totally. Somebody was talking about, uh, I think, uh, when Jeff Bezos last year got knocked down from being the richest guy to being in second place. Yeah. And they said, well, he can still get whatever he wants. And just in a, a, a quick moment, that one of the few quick moments I have, mm. I said, he can't get the only thing he needs. That's right. right. So it's the idea. Christ has made that yeah. for us, um, and that dictates why we do what we do. Yeah, I got a friend who's in uh, Nigeria. He's been there for almost 30 years now. He grew up in a, a family. His dad owned the second largest shipping company in the world. Mm. Uh, they would fly on the weekends to Europe. Mm. Uh, they had their own jet. They had actually a ski slope he built in the backyard in Greenwich, <laughs> Connecticut, because they were sick of flying to Vail on the weekends. And he was working on Wall Street, making a lot of money. He heard the gospel in New York, became a follower of Christ, went to Bible school, and he's been for almost 30 years in Nigeria mm-hmm. doing a ministry. And if you would talk to him now, he would say, I didn't lose anything. Anything. Anything at all. He's been working with widows and orphans and people have been abused by the Boko Haram, mm. uh, been held in captivity. Uh, and you would look at that and you'd say, man, why would you do this? You could. He went to Pepperdine. I mean, you could, you could work at Fortune 500s. You could work. You could have whatever you want, really. Mm. His dad cut him off from the business. Um, and he, he would say, because this is kingdom work versus yeah. empire work. Yeah. And it's simply because now you see. Mm-hmm. It's not that this is some weird thing. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. the problem we have is we think this is strange and peculiar that we do this. This isn't weird at all. Mm-hmm. It's just that we didn't see it before. But that's what the Lord does. He gives us eyes to see what life is all about. Yeah. And then that's how you get satisfied. And there was no one telling them, oh, by the way, to be a Christian, you've got to do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. It was no, because I am a Christian, I want to do this, this. And that's the fundamental distinction. Yeah. That's the difference between a lost person and a found person. They think there's obligation-oriented versus uh, it's a privilege. Yeah. It's a response. Yeah, that's good, man. Well, is there anything, again, I, I warned you, I can do this all day long. I've got plenty of tape. <laughs> is there anything else in particular you'd like to point out or that you felt like, oh, I got to... Well, I think particularly just think of that idea of verse 1 corresponds to verse 5, verse 2 to verse 4, and verse 3 is the centerpiece. So it's like that mountain. Yeah. Uh, and I think when you see it like that, requesting glory, yeah. receiving glory, and then you have verse 2, having authority for his life to do the work, what was his life, completing the work, which is making disciples, which he calls us to. And he says, this is life, that they know you, and this happens through this. Uh, and so I think that what Christ has given us in these first five verses, then he prays for the people, his disciples, 6 through 19, yeah. and then he prays for us afterwards, the 20 through the rest of the chapter. It's really just a masterpiece of Christ's heart in his communion with the Father that we get an insight into the way he thought, the way he uh, acted, the way he prayed, he interceded for us. It's really a remarkable thing that, think about it, we've got... 
the inside scoop here on the God of the universe <laughs> communing with the God of the universe and the sun. Uh, why wouldn't you be in this passage? Yeah, yeah. And so, it's so good. That, I think that's one of the rich. big takeaways is if you didn't go home and read the rest of John 17, please do. Yeah, what else <laughs> so you got? Gorgeous. You got NFL football? <laughs> well, I mean, really? Yeah. Where, where, where's that on the scale of importance yeah. here? I mean, that's the thing. You, and sometimes you got to go, okay, I read this and I've got all these competing interests. Go, hold on a second. Wait a minute. Why wouldn't I? And it, even that thing that tugs you to the amusement of the world go, oh, forget that. Yeah. And then you discipline yourself. And on the other side of that, like working out, going into working out, nobody's enjoying it. But on the <laughs> other side, you enjoy what happens. That's very much the same dynamic. Yeah. There. I would even say, I mean, I kind of just said that not flippantly. I mean, it is thoughtfully, but I would even say this is a good chapter for people to use if maybe they're saying, I'm not there yet. Like I, I still, I want to do this thing, but if you're at that point where it's, okay, I need to go work out, maybe dig through this chapter and spend some of your time in this because as you, I think as you get what's going on here, talking about the heart of Christ with the heart of the Father and seeing all these things, it gets hard not to be satisfied reading this text. Mm. Like I'm pretty sure about the worst things could happen to me, like that could happen at the end of the day, if mm. I read this, I might not be happy-go-lucky, but my perspective's back. Totally. Because it is the creator of the universe. Yeah, like, agreed. Just showing his heart to us. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, it's, that's great, man. I, and thank you so much. I, did, I, I was blessed by that message, obviously. And if you were sitting in my section, you know I was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not of us, not of all, all of us have experiences in the, in the, in the quieter churches. <laughs> so it's it's all right. So, uh, it was good. And then I just blessed with the idea of thinking about how we're taking this message and taking the the what is implicit in here to spread it to other places mm. by having other manifestations of the church in our community and just looking forward to that. It is a, it's a good week. Yeah, it's a good week. For sure. And so thank you for your work. Thank you yeah. guys for y'all's participation and for being part of our church. We love doing this as we say over and over again. So if you have any questions about what we talked about or if anything sparks an idea in your mind about something else you might be thinking about in your walk, talk to Dan, mm. talk to me, talk to any of the pastors. Again, talk to one another. Dig into these things because there is nothing that is more important mm. than experiencing and enjoying the glory that we have in Christ Jesus. Mm. So be good about yourselves, be good about pursuing this, be good to one another, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Mm.